everybody. Welcome back to the Play to Win podcast. I am joined, as always, with Jared. What's up? And Josh. Hello. And of course, my name is Alex. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Just, uh, it is a Sunday morning after a very exciting Saturday. Yeah. I concur. We won't, we won't get into that. We're riding this, high right now off some college football. Um, but yeah, no, doing well. Just a little, yeah, little tired. Um, have either of you been watching Andor yet? Yeah. Uh, I've been going through it a little more slowly. It's it's more yeah. of a an adult watch compared to Star Wars stuff. Like there's, sure. it's not as as flashy as other Star Wars properties, and so you kind of have to t- look at it from a different lens. And it's it it takes an adjustment in my head to watch it, but I'm enjoying it so far. I'm on I, episode three, I think. That I just finished three last night. I love how it does. It's not in your face, Star Wars. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a show just set in that universe, right? And that's what people have been wanting, and that's the adjustment I think I have to make in my head is because everything up to this point has been just like in Star Wars, rah! but uh, yeah, this there's, is, there's is lightsabers and stormtroopers and re- and and rebels and all that. Like stuff. this could be None set in 1960s Europe, you know, and yeah. you could still have this this thing going through. So yeah, it, it's it's different, but I'm I'm enjoying it. It's very cool. Um, and I have not seen any of it yet. So. It's very cool. It's have you watched any of the other Google or sorry, uh, Star Wars uh, Disney Plus shows? Uh, Mandalorian, but uh, I haven't okay. I haven't watched. Uh, Dude, Obi Obi Wan. The last yeah. episode just is uh, what I it gives you in that last episode is entirely worth the watch. I love I, that show, but yeah, I think. Um, I think this is the best one so far, in my opinion. Andor. Only three episodes in, so it could tank, but thus far, I think it's the best one. I think what's tough about Andor versus the other properties for me is <coughs> I'm not as emotionally tethered to the characters, and so it's a little bit tougher to wade into it. And that that's, I say probably, no, that's definitely why it's a little bit tougher yeah. for me to get traction, but I'm sure by the end of it, it's going to be amazing and seeing like saw come back and characters like that. Will well, be really cool. it, it's hard too, because you know what happens, you know what the results of all for all the arc for most of these characters at, at, in the end. Right. Or at least, well, the, and it's it, character Ca- Cassian from rogue one. I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of him in that movie. Just the character. I, I yep. love the actor and his portrayal of him. Diego just Luna. Character. Yeah. Just like, eh, and so seeing a prequel of him, too, of a character that I wasn't too high on is also a little strange. So I'll, I'll, I'll get through it, and I'm sure I'll love it. It's just, again, it's, it's a little different direction going into a Star Wars property than what I'm used to. Indeed. Well, we'll, we'll, table, we'll table that. I, I want to know what uh, people are thinking about that when it gets a little more through the series. Do, you, do we know how many episodes that's going to be? Probably eight to ten, I would assume. Is it just one uh, season, essentially? Yeah, or- this is going to go up right before Rogue One, is what I'm told. I know okay. that's the goal of the series. I don't know if it's going to be one season that does that or multiple, but I do know that it the goal of the series is to run you right into Rogue One. Yeah, that Watch first. Rogue One, an episode. 
Rogue One, this Rogue One and Episode One, uh, three or four, will be basically like a continuous arc of story. I think that's cool. Jump to the news. Mm-hmm. So we've got, we're not going to go through everything that's happened uh, in the last couple of months because we, we're a little behind, but there's a lot of shit that's happened. I mean, we missed out on the Ubisoft Forward, I think is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, there was a um, TGS, Tokyo Game Show. There was a Sony, was it a State of Play? Right? Not a showcase, but a state of play. Yeah, state of play. And there was a Nintendo Direct. So, and that was all just this past month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that happened. And we got some really good stuff out of all of these conferences or presentations, whatever you want to call them. And that doesn't even include some of the smaller presentations that happened or some of the non-game related conferences that also had game stuff in them. So like uh, Disney's Disney's little thing that they did yeah. with uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Star. Deep. Is it Dis- What is it called? The little like the new kind of like uh, you know like free to play game that they have out. Oh, their little oh. uh, their Sims kind of game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I forget what that's called. Yeah, I forgot about that too. That actually looks kind of interesting. That we also learned Dream Dreamlight Valley. That's what. Yeah, it's called. Okay. there you go. Um, Not to be confused with Stardew Valley. Yeah. So we've got a lot of information. So we're just going to cut it down to some of the the highlights that we talked about before the show that we wanted to make sure. And I think the biggest of the big that we want to throw out there is we finally got a date for the Breath of the Wild sequel, and the title was revealed. So it is Zelda Tears of the Kingdom coming out May 12th next year. All right, Josh, I'm going to throw to you. What are you thinking? Well, um, I don't really, I don't know. The The title was not really something that kind of resonated with me, I guess. But uh, I don't, we'll see when we actually have a little bit more of like a story, kind of how that kind of is incorporated and what it means, I suppose. Um, the gameplay, obviously we had a little bit more of a gameplay view and kind of what the expectation of traversal is going to be. So it is going to be yeah. kind of taking place both, I guess, on land and in the air. The very vertical and, game. Yeah, and some of the... Uh, I, I don't know exactly what that entails from a, uh, from a you know, world perspective. Like, is it going to be the same uh, ability to explore the continent like you were in the original Breath of the Wild? Or will it kind of, I guess, as your point, be more vertical and less uh, spread out. Yeah. Well, so, and are, are we going to get the whole same map from the first game yeah, and so this guy? That's what yeah. I'm, yeah, that's essentially what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, but, you uh, know, kind of going I'll, along with you, though, talking about the, the title reveal, <laughs> I mean, it, it's cool to know the title and all that, but they kind of build it as if 
we're not going to tell you the title because it's it's got spoilers in it. And I'm like, I don't know about you, but I I was told that title and I still have no idea what this game is about. Yeah. Well, and, more than I did, at least. You know, we, we saw a little bit more, like, uh, actual gameplay, as we alluded to, but, like, you know, the what appears to be at least one mechanic to get you up to the sky, which seemed to be, like, climbing onto a rock that's floating up. I don't. I thought it was a little bizarre. And then even more bizarre, we had, like, a, a, like a Thunderbird kind of styled, uh, like, yeah, glider goblin, that were... Goblin-looking glider that... Yeah, which has it seems a little uh, again a little out there just uh, without any context surrounding it so I'm curious to see how they kind of explain these uh, methods into the game once we are able to see it I don't know they'll probably do a they'll probably do a Nintendo treehouse on this game I would imagine in about you know a month or two before it releases wouldn't you think I, I mean, they gotta do something, right? Like, they're they're gonna do something before it releases, because we really don't. I, honestly, I don't need any more, to be fair, because I'm gonna get this game anyway. I'm sold. It's kind of like God of War. Don't don't. I don't need to see any more of this game. I'm I'm there. Get, just, yeah. I'm ready to go. So I and with Zelda, like I'm I'm cool with going in blind because you told me there's a new Zelda game coming out. I'm gonna get it. I've gotten every Zelda up to this point. So, you've sold me. Um, so, I, I don't really need to see any more. I don't know that, personally, I want to see more because I just want to go into the game and, and, and be, a, be a kid again and, and enjoy the wonderment of, of exploring the world of Hyrule again. Right. But it definitely seems like they, they knew what they were doing. They intentionally released Skyward Sword again because this has really Skyward Sword-esque vibes and themes to it. Yeah, a little bit. Sorry, just got up for a second. Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, we have that... Uh, it's it's kind of interesting because the original, like, release... Tra- or not the release trailer, but the teaser that originally came out, you know, what, now three years ago? Uh, a little bit, uh, maybe slightly before that, uh, where Link and Zelda are in the like what appears to be the crypt or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the the music that plays is very. I mean, as everyone has commented, is uh, very eerily similar to um, Twilight Princess in kind of the the Twilight mechanic world sounds. Yeah. Um, and then what appears to be a Ganondorf. So it's going to be interesting what they pull from previous games along with that. Like, is yeah. this kind of like, a, I mean, is it going to be some sort of sequel to Twilight Princess? Is it going to be, is it going to just kind of tell a little bit more history since what happened there, if it even has anything to do with that? I don't know. We'll find so, out. I, I want to, I mean, I think they have said this, but I want to just confirm with someone else while we're talking about this. Have they 100% confirmed that this is a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild? Like, this is the same Link and Zelda that we played through the last game with, or...? I don't know. I I don't recall. Um... We could just be assuming that, because it's the same gameplay style, it's in the same looking world and all that stuff. But they could... I mean, they have done this before. I mean, clearly, every Link 
and Zelda through the whole series is a similar character, but they're different characters for the most part, outside of a few ex- notable exceptions. I mean, if you're looking at Wikipedia, it states that it is the sequel to 2017's Breath of the Wild. Uh, is it is it a sequel in the sense that Link that uh, it's uh, a continuation of the Breath of the Wild story? Yeah. Well, well that's like that's what, what I want to know mean? for sure, though. Have they actually confirmed everything that? I have seen in passing? Yes, it is a direct sequel to the Breath of the Wild. All right. And Nintendo was even calling it Breath of the Wild 2 as a code name for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's true. So, I, I'm not a Zelda person, folks, anymore. So, apologies I mean, if I'm completely off there, but I mean, didn't, I'm, uh, I'm just uh, trying to chime into. Uh, didn't George Lucas also code name Episode 2 like Jar Jar's Great Adventure? So, like, I don't, I don't know. Well, code names don't necessarily mean anything. Well, let's. Uh, they don't have to, anyways. Let's put this in our pocket, research, and right. come back to it later. I think that's a good idea. And <laughs> and honestly, I mean, you know, we may be just looking too much into it at this point. Uh, so with that, let's jump to another real big news break. And uh, it was there was also a conference that discussed a lot of cyberpunk stuff. And out of that, we got Edge Runners, kind of a surprise anime experience on Netflix. Jared, I'm going to throw to you. How are you yeah. feeling about Edge Runners? I loved it. Um, and usually I'm not a huge anime person. Um, I'm very selective with the animes that I watch. You guys know this. But uh, I feel that it gave a very familiar yet new perspective on Night City. And it, I think it added, added a new layer of depth and showing you other folks going through the struggle of that town and, mm-hmm. and, and what that town coming up does to you and what that town when it chews you up and spits you out what it does to you and um really it also when, when you look at david and and um what's her name i forget her name lucy lucy and then also you a year later you look at v and all of his friends and stuff you see that to get through it it's it's not so much how you could shoot and and what you have chipped and everything it's about who you are as a person and V is a decent human being at the end of the day. Um, and David was a decent human being, uh, and Lucy was too. And, uh, I think that's the difference maker and that's why they didn't go balls to the wall. Cyber psycho It's because they have hearts and brains where all these other fools, they're just going for glory. Like Adam smasher. I, I, I think tying this back to our discussion with Andor, I think one of the things I like so much about Edge Runners was they didn't try so hard to put every little thing and make it scream cyberpunk. Like they didn't throw in, oh, you know, have you heard about that guy Johnny Silverhands and all that? Yeah. Stuff? You know, you have references. Clearly, there's references and maybe a little more to Adam Smasher. Trying to, we'll uh, keep it spoiler free here, but. You know, I think didn't did that. You know, I think was it Rogue? Did I see Rogue in there at one point? I think I saw her. Uh, it alluded to Rogue. It alluded to a few people. I think the and I'll have to watch it again. But I think the only familiar face that I saw or faceplate that I saw was Adam Smasher in the last episode. I don't think they put anybody directly in that I can specifically recall. Um, but you know, clearly if you played the game and you're familiar with the map, you rem- you recognize the locale. And, you know, of course, if you're going to be in the same locale, you're going to see a lot of the same stuff. And 
it was still unique, and I thought that was really cool. It was definitely uh, gruesome, brutal. Yeah. Yep. But in a in kind of the best ways, very adult and mature, but again in some of the best ways, and it's kind of created this cyberpunk resurgence. Um, you know, not just this, but we got also the DLC that's coming. But there's there was record Steam numbers. Um, Cyberpunk is doing just unworldly uh, or otherworldly numbers right now, especially because it's a two year old game that completely like screwed up the landing <laughs> at it, the it, beginning. Face like, planted the landing or something. Yeah, and, and the numbers right now are crazy. I think they're over twenty million sold now, which is pretty impressive. Um, and then they announced their but. With some controversy, they announced their only expansion DLC, Phantom Liberty. And I say with some controversy because they had originally promised the same amount as The Witcher 3, which was two uh, standalone DLC. But they're only going to do the one that they confirmed. But, folks, I wouldn't be surprised if this is super expansive. They're going to open up a another district in Night City or expand on one. We're pretty sure it's Pacifica. Looks like this is dealing heavily with the politics and like the new United States of America within the game, and also its conflict with Night City because Night City is a free city; it's not part of the USA technically. So um, I, I'm very excited to see it. Uh, and the last thing I'll say about the Edge Runners uh, show and release: the DLC it was one point, or not DLC, but the uh, the update. 1.7 that they did along with edge runners added in some new quests very few but also some transmog systems into cyberpunk that a lot of people have been asking for especially with what you wear so you can look how you want the game now and still be specced how you want to be but uh the gig that i'm thinking of especially is one with the captain and it deals specifically with edge runners you end up getting david's jacket and it's not much of a mission but V finds a, a BD in a trash can next to one of the mega towers, and it's literally the scene, opening scene from Edge Runners with the guy that gets destroyed by Max Tech. And V kind of goes down a rabbit hole to figure out about David, and it's cool because the captain tells you about what happened to him. And what I really loved about that being in the game, and I wish there was more of it, was it made the world just feel more lived in. It made, there was this guy just a year ago that went through all this crazy stuff that V was completely unaware of, right? Yeah. And it just shows you the size of the city, and it shows you that David, I would consider him a Night City legend in the same vein as Smasher and and uh, Bart Moss and all those guys, but V didn't hear about it. It just shows yeah. you how much gets swept away in the city. So uh, it's very promising, and if they can keep going into the lore of cyberpunk in night city like this more and um, not necessarily in this game, but just in more anime and live action. And then in cyberpunk 2078 or whatever, um, you know, if, if they do more of this, I think that the IP will see a lot of success. Yeah. I think that was their goal from the beginning was to build a kind of a world around this, not just release a game. And they got sidetracked because of how the game released. And I'm glad to see that they're, kind of getting their footing back underneath them. How do we feel about the announcement that the DLC will not be coming to last gen? It makes sense. And and it sucks for those people. And CDPR, I think they owe them something. I don't know what it is, but they oversold the game. 
And when you oversell and you underdeliver or overpromise and underdeliver, this is what you get. But it, this this game should have never been released on last gen consoles, and I think that was part of the problem is they were dedicating manpower and bandwidth to those last gen consoles and it was kind of like taking buckets and trying to get water off the titanic it's it, yeah. they, they just weren't gonna work and even now i've heard that yeah they're way better on ps4 and xbox one but it's still not a good experience and it's just should have never not been released promised experience at least Right, and and CDPR, that's on them. They should have never told folks on those last gens that they were going to get a comparable experience, but they prom they swore up and down. But it, it makes sense, and and for them to really do with the world what the world deserves, they shouldn't be focusing on the last gen. Console. Do we have a uh, release date for the DLC yet? Did they? Get it's next twenty twenty three. I don't know the exact okay. date off the top of my head, and we we can talk about it next time. I don't think it's oh, worth looking up right now. Yeah, I'm pumped too. Uh, the next thing on our list is Stadia is officially shut down. I didn't see that coming. Right. That's that news is not really surprising to anyone, especially when I'm watching watching feeds about this and people are like, "That thing was still going until last last month." <laughs> Here's the deal, I though. It was like months ago. I feel that big game companies they looked at at uh, gta online and they looked at uh what's bungie's one um uh destiny destiny and they looked at all these games with the service uh all the all the the the, the battle royales and stuff and they just thought that they could just mainline all this stuff into people's veins and they would love it and it's just that was a blip streaming services for games it's cool but it can't be a platform it just it can't compete. Not right. Not now. Our not now. No, it's not good enough. It, that was too ahead of the game. I mean, and I think it'll get there for sure. Like I like having actual consoles like we have in 20 years is going to be totally impractical. Um, I, think, doing, I mean, Microsoft is doing a really good job with xCloud and it's an adjunct adjunct service. It's not the service. It's not right. the only way to play. So like. It'll be really cool if you go get a TV that you can stream xCloud to and you can play around a little bit like as a second TV or in a different room or maybe you don't have an Xbox and you just want to test it out. But, you know, in most of the country still or in big swaths of the country at least, that's not going to be comparable at all to a to an actual console. I just think Google read the room incorrectly. And... Yeah. Um, it's cool, and, and they have technology that they can put in their back pocket now for later, but too soon, like you said. It's just I, we weren't ready for it. Oh, this is the last thing I'll say about it, but I, apparently their controller will be um, useless without the service unless they provide one more patch to the controller. Yeah. They literally just need to do a small patch that to the, up, the Bluetooth that would allow them to use it on other systems. Um, but if they don't do that, there's going to be a whole lot of uh, waste and controller waste if they don't uh, with that. Well, and and it offers them the opportunity that those Stadia controllers look very similar to Xbox controllers. And I think that a lot of PC gamers, when they use controllers, they'll go to Xbox controllers. So why not try to corner that market and see if they can sneak in there? 
and still least, use some of that infrastructure that they built. Lose all your money and get some of it back because now you got a third party controller that people might use, right? Right. Exactly. That's yeah. Exactly. Or make it compatible with the other two systems, even though I don't think players on the other two systems would even think about doing that, using a Stadia controller or strike a deal with Nintendo, see if they'd want to let you, yeah, connect with the Switch or whatnot. But anyway, saw it coming. <laughs> so Josh. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that Octopath Traveler 2 announcement? I think it will, uh, from what we see, it looks a good, like a good extension of the original game. Um, I mean, it looks the same, right? Like, the game, they use that 3DHD or 3.5. Yeah, and the rest of the thing that will be factored into this is that allegedly all the characters' stories are going to somehow tie into each other which was not really the case on the last game and was probably the the biggest reason um, why some people left the game feeling a little, I guess, maybe bittersweet. Like, it just, the story didn't really seem to uh, have a lot of cohesion from the perspective of all the individual characters. It, It eventually, I think, made sense once you were toward the end game, but um, it just... It felt very random to a lot of people. I enjoyed the original game, but um, oh, yeah. I agree that I agree that it probably could have been done a little bit better from a from a eight story intertwining perspective. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've heard good things too about the mobile version of Octopath. Um, it, yeah. From what I've heard, it, it from the perspective of a mobile game, it doesn't necessarily play like that in the sense that there's a, a feeling or need to invest a lot of money in microtransactions. That's just what I've heard. I've never actually played it. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the franchise is looking good. Oddly enough, um, it it kind of uses a lot of similar mechanics between uh, Octopath and the Bravely Default series. So... Uh, I'm kind of wondering what they're going to do, you know, going forward with that stuff. I mean, I think Bravely has a different art style and but they both have, you know, voice acting. They both have uh, the uh, you know, store a move system, I believe, right? Don't you have that ability in Octopath? I mean, kind of like you can you can uh, if you don't use your like bonus, I forgot what your they B- call it. BP but if you don't use it, you can uh, do a stronger version of a move the next turn, and you can store it for up to like five or six turns or something like that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and like where, whereas with like uh, the Bravely series, you can default and you'll bank uh-huh. bank an attack or a move, so you can use up to I think four at a time once you bank three. So it's a very yeah. similar kind of concept there. I think. I think there's a little bit more risk and reward in the Bravely series with that mechanic, but um, like straight up not use a move in the turn. Yeah. So I'm excited. This game comes out February 24th. I have not finished Octopath One, but I, I, it's not because I don't like the game. I really like the game. It's just I only mostly play it when I'm traveling. It's on my Switch, and I haven't traveled much in the last couple of years. I wonder why. I can't remember. Does Bravely or uh, does Bravely? Uh, does Octopath have like a uh, speed up function in combat? 
go, but that would be a nice addition to any I've of seen. these games, at least if you played them through once uh, to be able to play. Yeah. That's a huge, a huge uh, quality of life improvement for uh, a traditional RPG, a turn-based RPG that I think I really enjoy at least. Um, but I'm excited to see this. It looks great. Like you've said, I really hope they tie the stories in a little bit more because the first one it kind of just felt like there was eight people all going in the same direction and maybe they talk to each other every now and then but they're still yeah. so so um, disjointed or disconnected for the most part uh, and we had a huge leak well not even a leak mm-hmm. a hack for GTA 6 where we got huge chunks of the of uh, video from GTA 6 dated stuff and stuff that Rockstar was not ready to release um, but but uh, probably the biggest game leak hack combo in gaming history Jared how do you what do you think about that I think the kid that did is a little tool bag um, it like just the direction he went with this in, in claiming he was trying to make a deal with take two it's just like or, yeah it's just like no they, they're going to nail you to a wall I saw this hilarious, uh, yeah, this hilarious, some kid in London, um, I think he was 17, but I saw this great thing on Twitter (laughs) where it showed just seven rows of stars. It's like, this is his police rating in Grand Theft Auto (laughs) right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that people are, and I'm going to be rough about this. People are stupid enough to think that a game this early in development is going to look anything like a finished product. And any sort of criticism that Rockstar received based off of the footage that was released was given by morons who don't understand how games are made. And I really, really love the outpouring of other developers showing their early builds like yeah. for the games. Um, what was the Alan Wake universe? Control. That was my favorite one because that game, the finished game of Control, especially the, the next-gen version, is gorgeous. It is stunning, stunning, stunning. And the early build of it, while it didn't look bad, compared to the end game, it looked ridiculous. Like, you look like a slow librarian running through this blank building. And it's it just shows you that there's going to be trolls, but at the end of the day, you know... I, I think that the the rest of the deve- developers stepped in and and yeah, picked sure. Rockstar up because I they would, did I they mean, did deserve that criticism. I was surprised by some games they showed a year out, and they still look pretty like rough, right? Because that's how much goes into a game in that in a in a that. Well, and think about this, and this is a perspective I can't remember what I was listening to where they presented this, but it's a good point, and I apologize. If I can think of it, I'll try to put it up, the source of this. But, um, no, graphics are going to be the last thing that are considered because a game development, especially for Grand Theft Auto, which will be in development for five-plus years, think of the milestones crossed graphically in that development yeah. time. So why would you scale up to the current graphic settings and then keep developing on that just you know, in a year later when the bar is set higher where you'd have to make adjustments again. No, you're going to go in, frame everything, make everything work, and then you'll scale up to the graphics of the time. That's going to be the yeah. last thing you do. But well, um, 
I was actually impressed that Rockstar had as much done as they showed. I didn't I think agree. that they were that far in development. So I'm excited. I haven't been excited about a Grand Theft Auto since GTA 5 came out. Um, got really tired of the online stuff. It's not my jam. I'm I'm happy that they created a money machine. But no, I'm actually excited for the next Grand Theft Auto release. Yeah. I, it's gonna um, be good. I I I don't. Regardless of what the hack showed, people yeah. think that it's it looks bad. I, I mean, it's going to be good. They've got probably three more years before the game comes out, if not four. So you know, yeah. this extremely early footage, probably rendered in an older. Yeah, they typically do that. And knowing Rockstar too, though, what makes me excited is I'm sure there's gonna be something super meta about this hack in that game. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah that well, I mean, cool actually to see. Yeah. To your point, to your point, Alex, that's exactly what they did with, uh, I think FF 16 with the original kind of gameplay stuff. They rendered it in, uh, an old gen, what, like, you know, so PS4, right? Yeah. So, well, I mean, all of them, if you go back and look, there is footage of final fantasy seven rendered on the super Nintendo. And it's pretty cool to see the, there is footage of, I mean, Final Fantasy 15 was rendered in the same engine that 13 was done originally, because it, and it was originally supposed to be versus 13. It was supposed to be a 13 universe game. So there's lots of examples of that kind of stuff changing. It's pretty cool. So our next story here is GoldenEye. We're mm. getting not one, but two <laughs> versions of GoldenEye uh, that's interesting kind of take on this and so we've got goldeneye on the nintendo switch online 64 version and it's going to have online play so we'll be able to to play the original game in all of its glory with our friends remotely and we're getting the a hd up i guess remaster something like that remake i don't know what you'd consider this i haven't actually seen the footage of it yet i haven't either um for Game Pass from Rare that doesn't have online multiplayer. Kind of crazy there. Did you guys play GoldenEye? Either of you play GoldenEye? I have played way too much GoldenEye <laughs> in my time. And what makes me super excited about this is after playing on these controllers, after the N64 controller, the N64 controller is garbage oh yeah and i've tried to play goldeneye back on this and it's so difficult because the controls are so janky so i'm excited to see about playing this game with competent first person shooter controls and i hope they don't scale it up too much like yeah polish some edges and stuff but keep it blocky <laughs> i think that'll be <laughs> yeah fun. i haven't i haven't played it since uh like i was like 10 or something yeah, it's like been that 20 so. years but yeah I didn't play it very much when it was... I, I wasn't hugely into it. I think I was playing Mario 64 and Final Fantasy and stuff like that at the time. But I, I think it'll be kind of cool as like a historical thing to, to be able to go back and look at it and say, yep, that, that was a game and it was huge at the time. And, it, you know, it. I don't think it holds up. Personally, I don't think it's going to hold up. And I don't I, think so either. I'm setting myself up for that. And Unless they put a lot of work into it, which I just don't I, think they're I, gonna I put they a are. lot of work into it. Right. There's no reason right. to. But I think it's great for for historical purposes yeah. to have access to it again, and I think it's gonna be speaking really cool. speaking of GoldenEye. That kind of reminds me of something we forgot to mention when it came to the Nintendo Direct. But oh, yeah. they they uh, 
indicated and showed what their upcoming N64 games are going to be on uh, Nintendo yeah. Online, which GoldenEye is going to be one of them. And I think may have been one of the re- releases that you were talking about of the two, right? Give me Donkey Kong 64, you cowards. Well, they're bringing they're bringing like uh, the first what three or four Mario parties back. Oh yeah, I did on that. that. They're they're bringing uh, Pokemon Stadium one and two. They're bringing uh, Smash Brothers, right? Or is that already out? Yeah, I think I think I remember seeing that too. So yeah, yeah. it's gonna be a lot of uh, a lot of additional games. I, I'd love for them to bring Conker's Bad Fur Day in there. I would <laughs> love to see Conker. I want I want Donkey Kong sixty four. Um, I mean, honestly, that with Banjo-Kazooie... And they're bringing Mario 64, too. I think that one's coming, too. Uh, I thought that was already on there. Was it not? No, I think it's just the All-Stars version. Oh. I could be wrong, because I'm pulling out a memory here. I'm not looking at this, but that's what I thought I remembered. The last thing I want to mention is, at a Tokyo Game Show, we got a whole lot of Yakuza news. And the first thing I want to clear up here, because this confused the hell out of me, was they're going to the series is going to be called Like a Dragon from here on out. Which sounds confusing because it seems like Like a Dragon was Yakuza 7. But in reality, in Japan, the series, the direct the translation of the series for here is actually called Like a Dragon. They decided to call it Yakuza back in the day because they wanted to be more edgy and ETA-esque and all that stuff. Um, but the game series is actually like like a dragon, and so all the games that we play here that are Yakuza are technically called like a dragon in Japan. So we got Madonna. Madonna, I hear, is gonna do the theme song now. Is that instead of instead of like a virgin, she'll sing like a dragon. Like a dragon. <laughs> I, I would uh, I would listen to it. <laughs> um, so we're getting a couple of them. The two that I want to there's a spinoff game with Kiryu, who's the star of the first six games, but the series is following uh, um, Ichiban Kasuga from here on out, and the new game that they just announced for uh, Like a Dragon Eight is following both of them. You get to play as both of them, which I think is pretty cool. And it showed Kiryu with his uh, K-pop boy band J-pop hair, which I thought was kind of cool. Some gray streaking in there. And then uh, we're getting a really crazy spin-off game that takes place in feudal Japan, but has all the characters from the previous games in it. So you... It's just kind of... it's This series, I, you guys haven't played it yet, but it is goofy in all the right ways. And so it, I'm just, I'm stoked. I think it's going to be so cool. And hopefully it comes to Game Pass. But if it doesn't, I will probably be buying these games because they are so good. And Sega has won me over. I can't believe I missed these gems. So with that, let's shift to our topic of the day which is Horizon Zero Dawn. The reason we're all actually here, Horizon Zero Dawn. So The Dawn of Horizon. It is the Dawn of Horizon, actually. <laughs> first in the... In what I, I wish they would have named it that. Horizon Zero Dawn. The Dawn. The Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> Very on the nose. Yeah. Right, right. So this game uh, is a PlayStation exclusive, originally coming out on the PS4, but it now has some updates for the PS5. 
it released February 28, 2017, so five plus years ago, by Guerrilla Games, a Sony uh, first party studio. It received, let's take a look at its Metacritic score, 89 on Metacritic and an 8.4 user score. So that's a solid game. Uh, looks like a 9 on Steam, a 9.3 on IGN. So this game was very well received. Um, yeah, this was my first time playing through it for uh, this, this, this episode here. And I'm pretty, I was pretty excited to get through it. I, I kind of missed out on it originally because it came out right between two very big knee games, which was Final Fantasy 15 came out before it, and then Zelda Breath of the Wild came out right around it too. So, like, I went from Final Fantasy 15, 40 straight hours, Horizon came out, still playing 15, and then jumped into Zelda immediately. So, it, it kind of had a, a difficult time period. Um, before we jump into our history of the game, I want to turn to the listeners, or when I say listeners, I guess I mean the community. Um, I'm going to jump in. I posted on Reddit a little little while ago, earlier this week, just going to get some thoughts on what people thought of this game. So I asked, after the five years, how do you think um, Horizon Zero Dawn kind of holds up? Does the sequel impact the way you reflect on it? Do you still feel it suffered due to the release of Breath of the Wild? Breath of the Wild. So, <laughs> Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Breath of the Wild. Um, you know, and I wanted to see what people thought. For the most part, outside of a few people, outside of mostly just one person, people do agree with the sentiment that Breath of the Wild kind of uh, stole a little bit of Horizon's thunder. Um... You know, here's an interesting take. Thai Food One posted, so they didn't, maybe not in sales, but in pop popular culture, it definitely suffered. Nobody nobody really ever talked about Aloy, and nobody did so again when Elden Ring came out, as the same time um, as Forbidden West. So I also think Zero Dawn has a better plot than the sequel. And honestly, I was kind of surprised at this. The love for Horizon Zero Dawn in the community kind of surpassed that for Forbidden West. And I don't know about you guys, but the reviewers loved Forbidden West and the kind of the sentiment was Forbidden West is better in every way. Uh, it improves in every way. And that just wasn't what I got from the community. Forbidden um, West seems like it's like, from what I've heard and I haven't played it yet, but it just seems scaled up. From yeah. What yeah. It's scaled up and I, I think... I think, I think yeah, you, you know, one of the one of zero dawn. One of the one of the better I think elements that this game does than zero dawn did was the side quest stuff and kind of how yeah uh, they it seemed more uh, the people it's, you it seemed more impactful I guess is what I'm saying with the people in the communities that you were doing things for and helping out and yeah uh, I think yeah. I think I think maybe some of that also would be the the voice acting in the uh, voice acting is uh, in this game. character modeling in mm -hmm. the on the newer uh, Forbidden West. But I digress. Um, this I I love this. I'm gonna read another comment here. I love this guy's or this person's name. Badass Da Vinci says, having played <laughs> both on PlayStation Five back to back, I have to say Zero Dawn felt like a superior game, even though Forbidden West had more mechanics like flying. Uh, in equipment and, and so forth 
it felt I or, I'm sorry, it felt that it didn't really advance the franchise at all. Um so, you know, that that was kind of tying back to the idea that a lot of people really felt Zero Dawn was the the better of the two. Um even though the there were a lot of expansions in Forbidden West. Arcadian Genesis said, it's a very good game, but it was surpassed by its sequel, Forbidden West. So we got the alternate take here. Um, it was pa- Forbidden West is one of my favorite games of all time, and my game of the year so far. A stunning technical achievement and very fun to play as well. I, I don't think anybody could argue against how stunning really both of these games are, but Forbidden West being the more recent one, it's just a fantastic looking game. I think and it's a uh, it's a nod to Gorilla. They put out some yeah. very pretty games. Yeah. That's that's something we'll get into when we talk more about this, but this game I would not have thought this game came out 5 years ago. Right. Right. At all all of the exclusives from the PlayStation 4 hold up so well. And that's just a a nod to Sony's acquisitions that they made and the studios that they acquired. I mean, man, they put out some amazing work. They are gems, in my opinion. Um, a lot of people have this in their game, their, uh, their top games of all time, specifically PlayStation, but in general, uh, here's a comment I'll pull out of ghost of slickville said, they both have amazing graphics, truly beautiful, great maps. And the machines look awesome. I think that the map design in this game is actually really great. Um, and I'm excited to see what they do in Forbidden West. Uh, let's let's pull out one more. So this was kind of something I I didn't know this, but uh, the Aussie Brit points out. Bear in mind, Elden Ring was delayed too. Gorilla really did try hard to release Forbidden West in clean air, but it wasn't to be. I think that just speaks to the bad luck Gorilla has had. They put together a fantastic game that in any other release time uh, could be a game of the year mm-hmm. and then potentially one of the best games of all time in its genre comes out, right? Uh, <laughs> Turtle Pop. Turtle twice. twice. Uh, so arguably the best Zelda ever came out, arguably, uh, came out... Um, the first during this game in 2017 and it's the game of the year of course that year and then potentially the one of the best open world games of all time the sequel because <laughs> zelda was the original uh is elden ring right fantastic game that i don't think anybody thought was going to have this level of mass appeal that it did but even people that can't do souls like games love this game my brother-in-law is playing the shit out of the, out of Elden Ring right now. <laughs> I and I think that's just a big big tell. Yeah, I put I put over 100 hours into the game. So Yeah, I think that's just a huge testament to how I'm not I don't even know if I'm halfway done with it. You know, there's a joke too and I'm I'm going to point this out and then we'll move on to our discussion, but there's a joke that man, I can't wait for the the next horizon game i can't wait to see what amazing game releases after it (laughs) or or just before it yeah so but without further ado let's talk about horizon zero dawn some more um so i kind of shared my history with the game i did not play it at launch i actually played it just 
just recently for this podcast. Um, I've had it for quite some time, <clears throat> and it just was at a bad timing of release for me. Uh, Josh, what's your history with this game? Uh, yeah, so I bought it at release, actually. Um, or shortly after, I guess. Um, and I, that would have been what we said, what, uh, February of 2017. That is correct, sir. I didn't uh, end up actually beating it at that time. I actually jumped to Breath of the Wild, uh, once that came out, but, uh, it's a, I think like we've been talking about, we've been hearing it's one of the best, uh, PS4 games to ever come out, possibly the best. Excuse me. Um, I really enjoyed the, just kind of the concepts that were at play. The, uh, I guess the post-apocalyptic uh, world with, uh, a, you know, kind of tribal culture mixed in with futuristic machines that were just kind of walking around, uh, being sentient out in the world, or at least, uh, sentient in appearance. And, uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was a really cool concept, um, and like we've mentioned, it, it suffered an unfortunate uh, launch. So, but but uh, it's been steady ever since the launch had occurred. So, yeah. Jared, what do you, what's your history with this series? Very early adopter. I think I got a used copy of it like a month after it dropped. And I proceeded to play it immediately because I am not a Nintendo guy. And I mainlined that. <laughs> and I I absolutely adore this game. And I think it is the third best PS4 game behind God of War and Ghost of Tsushima. Which are, are two other masterpieces in my opinion. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I adore this game. I adore... And, and there's there's... We'll get into it, but I have my criticisms of it, but I feel that they are so minuscule that they're so minuscule. I, this game's incredible, in my opinion. Well, let's discuss. Um, the first thing I want to point out is how absolutely beautiful the world in this game is. Mm -hmm. This game, I, I mentioned this already, but... Had you not told me that this game came out five years ago, I would have thought it came out last year. And the biodiversity of the game, too. Um, like, you have high mountains, you have arid deserts, you have some, like, tropically-looking places. Yeah. It's just such a diverse landscape, which is yeah. also super impressive. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I agree, Alex. This game yeah. is stunning. Well, again, for the time I, it came out in. Again, like, to that point, really the most striking visual differences between Zero Dawn and its sequel are character models. I think, I think, uh, it does a much better job, um, when it, when it comes to, um, just how they've created characters and how they look from an appearance standpoint. So. Right. Yeah. I thought the character models were really good. Um, I I I uh, love the vibrant colors in 
this game, kind of touching on what you're talking about, Jared, how there is so much biodiversity in the game that really allows the, the vibrant colors to stick out. But, you know, you look at a nighttime scene and you've got the different, um, what do they call the robots in this game? Machines, just machines. Just machines. You just got. Yeah. I mean, collectively. I mean, they all have yeah. different names, but. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got the different machines going around and kind of glowing in the dark, and then they, you, you know, you see like these bioluminescent plants and stuff, and then you can turn on your your uh, um, your focus, and then you you get like the extra layer of um, color to it. It's yeah. a very well done artistically rendered visual experience. Well, and really, they they kind of ease you into that a little bit with the first like the. I guess the in, uh, epilogue, or not epilogue. Uh, yeah, is that right? Epilogue? Sorry. The epilogue beginning part. Ending prologue. Prologue, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, that's not right. Uh, the the prologue, so to speak, where, um, um, where you're kind of just trying to gain favor. And uh, one of the things you do after you kind of learn to do a little bit of crafting and get a little a few more weapons you you go and fight a very large machine and the the method that you have to do it is you know kind of using tactical subterfuge with your uh trip caster and all that stuff and um it, it it's very well done uh kind of like letting you explore a small area and then getting an idea for what the concept is and then ramping up the difficulty a little bit in both stealth and uh, action. So, I think that's... That, that's... Going, piggybacking off of what you were just saying there, um, I'm getting memories because it's been a minute since I've played it, but yeah, there was something super satisfying about how you tiptoe through the initial part of the game and you run into like a what a sawtooth is that the t-rex i forget what they're yeah called. yeah you um, and, but you, you run into those you're like yeah. you're like nope and you go the other way or you try to sneak around it but at that moment where you look at your inventory and you consider your skills and you're like i can take this thing on and kind of setting up the field of play for yourself setting those traps like you said yeah. and then getting getting your arsenal ready and actually defeating the thing, knocking the rockets off of it, and using its own weapons against it. It's just, I just love the way that felt, especially the first time you do it and you take it on and you actually bring it down. It, yeah, it's just such a well done game. Yeah, I mean the the concept of the uh, that portion of it's well done. The what's what's uh, what are the little scanner, the little temple things you have? I forgot what they're called. I apologize. The focus. Oh, the, the focus. Yeah. 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 Uh, like that concept was just really kind of cool. You know, you kind of have like a digital uh, bestiary of mechs that you kind of just analyze, and uh, it'll show you their weaknesses, their movement patterns, and kind of just the. It, the game really it doesn't make you play it in a tactical way but it uh it's it, it encourages it when you're trying if you're using your focus like you should to analyze enemies it, it very much encourages it oh yeah i love i actually really like that kind of stuff where you can um use some kind of analyze ability to learn weaknesses or more information 
about the enemies you're fighting. I think that's a really cool little addition that they had in this game. And I, I, I built into I, like some kind of technological thing that you just discover that most people don't have is pretty cool. I think the learning curve of the game very organically mirrors Aloy's learning of the past. And as she is developing these skills and learning to use the focus, so are you. And it just feels very natural. It doesn't feel like exposition. Like some games will give you like a tutorial and stuff. Like you yeah. truly learn to use the mechanics in a very nice way in this game, I feel. Uh, you know, kind of touching on the same thing is that the it gives you a really good in-world um, reason for why you have, you know, maps and direction finders and mm -hmm. tactical information and all that stuff. It's because you have this thing on your head that you can see stuff that other people can't and you can communicate with people and all this stuff. It's kind of cool. You can, yeah, you can interact with... I mean, computers, you know, the other, other people otherwise wouldn't, you know, have the ability to or, uh, yeah, access to understand how to use it. So it's just interesting. My favorite part of this game is when you're exploring, like, the ruins. Yeah. And I wish you did it more than you do. Like, I, I thought, I kind of, since I didn't know much about this game going into it other than you fought, like, mechanical monsters that look like dinosaurs and shit yeah i i kind of when i did that first that first kind of prologue mission where you fall into the cave and you're exploring and she finds her focus and all that stuff mm -hmm. i kind of thought there was going to be a lot more of that kind of stuff you know almost like a tomb raider kind of yeah. thing where you kind of discover these hidden areas and you're exploring and you have to do some puzzle solving and it really wasn't a very big part of the game. I mean, it's story important. Yeah. But it's not like most of the game is actually taking place on the overworld and very. There's a. Taking place I, th I think that's one thing they improved with the sequel. Um, there's a little bit more of that, but I, you know, kind of going along with that, I think one of the also coolest uh, things in the game is the concept of the cauldrons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are those are a uh, an interesting mechanic when it comes to improving your focus and how it will allow you to um, learn and uh, I guess gain understanding of new newer uh, enemy machines that you'll come across. Um, and they're and they're just kind of fun. They're they're different. They're unique. Each one's kind of a unique concept, and they're it, you know it. To the to the point of kind of ruins exploring, you're kind of doing some of that with the cauldron. So mm -hmm. the cauldrons, though, kind of, and and I appreciated them and had fun doing them, but they felt a little shoehorned in, and and I think that's one of my criticisms about this game is I adore the main story, I think it's amazing, but the side content in this game just kind of seemed there to level you up, and it didn't seem like it really, it really fit in nicely in a satisfying way necessarily and i still did it because i like to max out my stats and stuff but it just seemed like i'm going into this place just so i can check up the, to the next so level i'll challenge that a little bit because there's a caveat to that i think I'll, i think a lot of it is like that and i think there are some side quest things that if you don't do them the story now seems a little bit weird in its pacing. And I, I can't think of a good example. Well, the examples I can think of relate to Erend. 
Mm-hmm. And like, if you don't do some yeah. of the side quests with him, it's like you don't really know all the stuff that's happening. Well, and I, I meant more like the cauldrons the and the hunting grounds, not no, so much like the stuff right. in city. Uh, like I enjoyed those, the he, the NPC side quests that you would get because it adds some narrative to it. To where yeah. the side activities is what I was more considering. One of the comments that we got on that thread that I didn't read talked about how he had uh, this person had played through the game twice. Mm-hmm. Um, once they played through and did absolutely everything and then another time they played through and just mainlined it yeah and they were surprised by when they mainlined it how much of the story they missed out on by not doing a lot of the side quests Hmm. um and i think the side quest stuff that's the difference in the different types of side quests we're talking about some of it is very just there to give you something to do Mm -hmm. and a lot of it seems like okay if you don't do this you're missing out on some really key cru- uh, crucial story related aspects here. Right. You know, you'll get the gist of it without it and you're only going to get the gist of it. And I noticed that that's part of, cause initially I went into this game thinking, Oh, I'll just mainline it. Cause the next one's out and I'll probably play that as soon as I can. And then I started getting to a point where I'm like, well, yeah, I want to do that side quest. <laughs> Of course, I want to follow you to destroy mm-hmm. this banded camp and and take it, uh, it revenge on the destruction of the Noras. Yeah, of course, I want to do that. Oh, of course, I want to know more about what's going on here and and uh, figure out what happened to your family. <laughs> you know, uh, right. So it's like some of it really built in, and it's like, okay, I'm not gonna skip this. This sounds too interesting. So that's both a positive and a negative in this game like if you want to like kind of go through it quickly you're gonna miss out on a lot of stuff but you know you're really gonna want to do the side quests a lot of you know a lot of the side quests not necessarily all of them but a lot of them right and I think that's really cool so kind of jumping in to it what do we think of the story I love the mystery of it. Um, yes. I, I love how you start as this outcast that nobody really wants to talk to, and it just expands and expands and expands. I feel that, you know, <laughs> considering the setting, it's fairly grounded for the first three quarters of the game. And then once you kind of tap into that final story vein at the end, it just kind of goes exponentially crazy sci-fi and i love it i love it i love it i love it and um it's just it's a bizarre wonderful story i think and and just completely nonsensical when you really look at it but it's just i i don't know i felt it was super satisfying and i i like the way that they they gave you a kind of a cliffhanger at the end um left it open-ended and um can't really speak to how that gets resolved but Aloy, they very. I think that she is one of the most relatable, likable characters in in a single player game that I've played in a very long time. Because yeah, she's a badass, but she's also slightly insecure, and she's also she has that need for 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 relationships that she doesn't necessarily get because she's been an outcast. And then the one relationship that she's carried 
throughout her entire life, the guy that looks out for her, once she's no longer an outcast, she has to get rid of him, which is so sad. But she yeah. can't talk to him anymore because he's an outcast. And it's just... That gets you, resolved, you, though. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, I, I feel that there's a lot of real human emotion in this game in addition to the gameplay mechanics. And I feel yeah. that you are experiencing these emotional discoveries and 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 um, disappointments right along with her, and and also the excitement of finding a new clue in this in this rabbit hole that she's going down. I feel everything in here is is very well done as experiencing the story with her. Yeah, I think that's that's well said. I you know. For the most part, I really like her character, and I I love the voice acting in this game. I oh think yeah, the voice acting in this game is is what like the gold standard. Mm-hmm. What games should be striving for? The dialogue options, the dialogue itself is is up there. The thing I do feel like at times that Aloy is a little um, flat emotionally. Mm-hmm. Personally, I feel like. I would like to see more emotion in the character. And some of that is visually. And, you know, this game is almost six years old, so that could be part right. of it. Um, but I would like to see him a little more of that. The other thing that I would note is I, I would expect someone with her background to be a little more awkward <laughs> than she is. She is much more confident and... Uh, um, able to interact than I would have expected, but you know that's part of why the game is interesting. Like, right? Because she is kind of special. You know, she's not mm-hmm. just your average person. Yeah. She's she's more driven. She's more caring. She's had to deal with a lot of things, and she's more forgiving than most, and she's more curious than most, and that's kind of why she ends up in the situation that she's in. And part of that has to do with, you know, who the person she's coming from, right? Like, she's... Mm-hmm. She's... Uh, her the, the, the person she's a clone or archetype from, big spoilers here, but is is a scientist, is a curious person, is the one who is working to save, actively save the world, right? So, of course, when she is quote-unquote reborn, she's gonna be like that. I think part of that awkwardness, though, the, the fact that it's not there has to do with the fact that Aloy doesn't care about what other people think. I think she's so yeah. invested in figuring out what's going on that, and she's and she's a pretty self-confident individual despite her upbringing i feel that i don't think that the social awkwardness that you would expect to be there really would play a huge factor just because she wants to figure out this mystery at this point Mm -hmm. and and she doesn't even have time to be integrated into the tribe it's just she she gains favor with them and then she gets kicked out into the world right yeah so like, oh, um, you, uh, you, uh, you, welcome to the tribe. Now go save the world. <laughs> and so, so really, her entire like after growing up with one dude, she's just making new acquaintances for the next month, <laughs> yeah. like, and and seeing the world. So I don't know. Um, just kind of my feeling there. Yeah. I one of my things that I've always 
sorry. Uh, one of my things that I've always liked about this game was uh, really kind of just like the world building of it. Mm-hmm. Um, through so the items that you find, the uh, you know the the valuables, like you know they'll have names for things like uh, the the uh, like watches and keys that you'll pick up. Um, that are they they don't completely understand what the function of the item is, which is is a little little funny, but also a little nod to um, really kind of just you know how maybe we would view civilizations in the past in our present. It's it's very you know we we can make educated guesses on what you know an item was used for, but you know ultimately we didn't live back then, so we don't know if it had if that was just one of several purposes it had um and then kind of just the the little little they're not really easter eggs but you know just kind of uh uh collectible vision or focus views that you could do i can't remember what they're called um po- points of interest maybe mm-hmm. where you uh you go to the top of a a tall uh structure or a uh specific landmark and you use your focus to look out and you're seeing a uh i mean just a an example of something that you could see is like oh like a an old football stadium from you know our time Uh and it's just kind of a rundown uh rundown structure taken over and overgrown by the earth so it's just kind of crazy to see like uh or an envisioning of what our present could look like in you know hundreds of years after after we as uh, humans uh, just royally fuck up and uh, destroy the earth the way we know it. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of uh, an interesting concept that uh, I think really this game pulled off well, and I don't think that I don't think any other game that's kind of had a similar mechanic like that has ever done and probably will ever do a better way. That's my opinion. It's something that has been done really well in sci-fi, like, novels yeah. and stuff. Um, but, you know, obviously technology has improved in the video game sphere because other, other games have done similar-ish things. Um, but not... I mean, this is the first one that has had the modern perks to do it, and that's done it so well. You know, it makes me wonder... Uh, humans do stupid shit all the time and we're lucky we haven't you know caused an apocalypse to this point at least to the degree that they're dealing with in this game mm-hmm. but it makes me wonder what was the and maybe i maybe i'm just blanking on what the purpose was but what was the purpose of the hades protocol <laughs> why did they decide that hey we should make an ai that that the whole role of that ai is to destroy everything we're working on i forget I was that not was the Hades protocol the idea of Elizabeth in case her work was used incorrectly or not not the way she intended is that kind of what it was generated I, for maybe I don't know I'm I'm blanking I'm sure a listener out there is got the answer and is probably yelling at their you get I will say you get a little more color on it uh the Hades protocol in the sequel. So really? yeah, if you if you are unclear, you can always play that. Keep playing. 
And I, I don't know if you have it. You you do have it actually, right? I do. Yeah, it came yeah. with it came with my PS5. I got that version of the PS5. Bundle. I was gonna say I think I have the disc. If you didn't have it, that's. But I was like, oh, you got it. So I'm 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 excited to play it and probably should do it before God of War comes out, <laughs> honestly. But we'll see. Um, I I know that was the one thing. It's like, first off, you know. You oh, to... so so okay, so Elizabeth created Gaia to kind of re-terraform the Earth. Uh-huh. If Hades was a sub-protocol that if Gaia ended up failing, that Hades would come in and reverse what she had done with Gaia. But but why? Why reverse what she's done? I mean... If it didn't I, work as intended, I think. is. I point. guess I get the need for fail-safe, but the fail-safe wasn't clear. I don't know. And, and also, I think it had to do with that other... that I can't remember his name... The dude that basically caused this whole thing. Travis Ted, Ted Farrow? Or... Is it Farrow? Is that who it was? I thought um, we were talking about The Ted alpha Farrow. in charge of the Hades development was Travis Tate. No, Travis. no, not him. Uh, Ted Farrow is who I was thinking of. The yeah. guy who caused the... The, the, uh, the, the, corporate, the corporate guy that was trying to use the uh, technology... For more monetary gain than yeah. societal improvement. Yeah, he turns in and, and double crosses basically everybody and screws the pooch and and we're lucky that uh, Gaia worked as well as it did, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, because he almost destroyed humanity twice in the same you know decade. Crazy, right? Um, yeah, so- he's a piece of work. I, I love the story of the game. I thought the story was really good. I struggled with the pacing at the very beginning um, because I, I there were points early on, probably in the first five to ten hours, where I'm like, I don't know if I want to finish this game. But once I really got past that, I really, really enjoyed the game. And I think I've, I've told you all both this. I just don't love the combat early on in this game. It gets a lot better once you get some of the unlocks and, and upgrades and... I just I did not find the combat enjoyable initially. Um, I, there are aspects of it I loved. Like I love the idea of weak points that specialized weak points you can target, and how it impacts. Like that really screams like Dead Space to me. Like how you dispatch certain aspects of it that they really built on and expanded upon, and hopefully the new Dead Space uh, remake will, you know capitalize on that expansion as well and i thought that was so cool um i just it it feels very it feels like the combat wants to be combat right like it wants you to engage in combat in that game probably a little too much for my taste but it wants to give you combat like assassin's creed and if you remember the older assassin's creed you were actively discouraged from engaging in open combat right Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you couldn't do that very well, so you had to sneak about. Um, but this game gives you that same style, and yet it doesn't. I feel like it doesn't reward you as well for sneaking about in the open areas. You know, I don't. Other know. than you don't have to waste resources, that's the only reward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's also the 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 I. I like the resource gathering and I got a, a little bit exhausted of the resource gather, gathering at a certain point because I, I have... It a does really get grindy in this game. 
there's a whole world I got to traverse, and it would be better if I could sit there on one of the uh, machines and and uh, use the added speed of my ha because I was able to hack it. But I need to stop every ten feet to pick up healing herbs that I need. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's really not beneficial for me most of the time. And all right, I'm I'm on a little bit of a roll of what I didn't like in this game. I want to preface this with I really like this game overall. But man, <laughs> what the hell is up with making me pay for fast travel packs? I hated that. Now you can you can upgrade, you can get out of that towards the end. But I just I am such a conservative um, conservative uh, inventory manager. I don't even want to use one fast well, travel you, pack. When I've got thirty. You know. You you find them. You find them in the game without having to buy them, and I think they're also uh, frequently a quest reward. Yeah, you, that so, is true. I not I, why and then make that a thing. Why not just you, do it like everyone else and not make you pay for it? Well, I, I think also if you're doing the game, you know, quote unquote, the right way, you're going to be earning a lot of bits anyways. So or uh, shards, I should say, uh, you're going to be earning a lot of shards. So it's it's not going to be too much of a you know stress from a uh cost management i guess but i understand what you're saying just why even I just, why is it even a mechanic i don't like when games do that kind of stuff it's like oh here's a really cool thing that makes the game more enjoyable and allows you to kind of just not have to retread a bunch of territory but you gotta pay for it you know, yeah. kind of like the Skyward Sword uh, HD, where they have a, a really cool fast travel ability built in, but you have to pay for the amiibo to do it, right? Yeah. Like, I just don't like, and this isn't that bad, but I just don't like that kind of stuff, and they should just, I, I don't know, is it like that in Forbidden West? You know, I I'm, I think they do still keep the mechanic, but I'm I think it only matters... I think you're only using it if you are not at a campfire or town, you know, or camp or a city. I, I think that's how it works in Forbidden West. I, uh, I'm not going to 100%, you know, say that's correct, but I think you're only using fast travel packs if you're not already at a campfire. It just doesn't add anything to the game to me, which I think is annoying. Um... So I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't like, it It seems more of a detraction. Now I get it. I think what the goal of it was is we don't want you to just fast travel everywhere. We want you to actively engage in gathering resources, which is important. And I was going to do that anyway, personally for my gameplay style, but it's like, oh shit, I'm my, I'm really full on all my stuff. I, I have too much inventory. I need to go get rid of some stuff. But I don't want to fast travel because what if I need my 30 fast travel packs? Right. And I realize this is a problem with me um, because I don't need 30 fast travel packs. And this was so. in a time, too, to where they they were wanting to encourage you to explore. And the, the, the way around that is make your world more interesting to where people yeah. will just want to explore. And I... While this world is absolutely gorgeous, it was still limited, I feel, in the last-gen stuff. So I feel the limited fast travel to get you to explore more was kind of necessary, even though it's annoying, especially us as Americans not being like to told, being told what to do yeah. and how to do things. But uh, um, 
I feel it was kind of necessary and just how I play stuff too. I didn't really use my fast travel packs because I felt like I needed to actually travel from point A to B physically in order to gather resources from what I just got into. So I didn't feel it quite as much. Yeah. 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 I in felt both, like fast traveling was a wasted opportunity almost in this game. Yeah. Well, in, it in is that, most of the time until you get a little bit later. And there are times where it's like, okay, I really could have used a fast travel there because I'm not going to benefit from going through this this traversal at this point in time. I just need to get right. back to sell some stuff or something, you know? Right, right. And right. I would put stuff off like that because I couldn't. Or maybe I need to go. I just completed a quest and I want to go back and get another one or turn in a quest or something, you know, like I don't want to have to traverse all the way back the exact same ground. Like if I'm traversing a new path, that's different. And I I like I like because it's a very Assassin's Creed um, uh, formulaic style open world. Mm -hmm. And I like that they didn't overdo the um what are they called in this game? The tall necks. Yeah, the tall. I thought those were cool. I I thought that was really cool, and they yeah. do make it kind of difficult to get to the tall necks. Yeah. You have to pay it, you know. If but if you're paying attention and and you yeah. time things right, and you and you and you just kind of are tactical. Um, well, yeah, each oh, one. To to your point, I think accessing each one is different, right? Like it's yeah. not the same. It's not like oh, like in Assassin's Creed, just go climb this building to this like eagle, you know or whatever eagle point and then use your eagle vision and now i have an area of the map yeah. i have to it's a if it, it's a different formula each tall neck and they carry that over um in the next game too so the last thing i want to say and then we can give our our closing thoughts is well i want to point out two things first off did anyone else think the children's faces slash heads looked a little peculiar in this game I don't recall well enough to have a, an opinion on this. That, that that stuck out to me. I felt like the, the faces just looked a little... The children looked like they had like really... A little derpy. Head. A little <laughs> derpy. Um, the texturing in this game, I think, was a uh, product of the time, but mm-hmm. it was something that needed to... You know, hopefully they improved on in Forbidden West. I know they did, because you could literally see the peach fuzz on Aloy's face in Forbidden West, which I know that some of the... Some nerds weren't aware that girls have hair on their face. I'm like, all right, come on, guys. Um, The last thing I'll say, though, is the the next-gen solid-state drive was a game-changer for this because it really made it much much more enjoyable playing through this than I think it would have been on the PS4. Granted, I am spoiled now because I've been playing next gen for two years. Yeah. But it, it would have been a pain to go through it um, otherwise, I think. I don't remember any extensive load times even on PS4. It's just, I mean, the load times are somewhat long and frequent in on the PlayStation 5 for this game, but they're not with the solid state drive. I think it cuts it in half. Right. Um, so, Josh. What's your short 30-second elevator take on this game? Uh, well, it's it's a... It's a game. It's an open-world game that stands out in a sea of open-world games over the past decade. Um, I think 
it, it has a very clear niche and it knows what it is and what it isn't. And I think maybe if you, if you don't understand that heading into the game, you're going to find out real quickly. And that's not a bad thing. That's not me trying to say it's a bad thing, but uh, yeah, I think it's a, an excellent uh, new world and concept and ideology kind of all rolled into one sort of game. So uh, if you haven't played it, you should. Jared, what's your 30-second elevator pitch take on this game? If you want a game with a really solid story that's a has a great mystery behind it, a great character that and a great coming-of-age story, you should definitely get this. And there's a lot of different layers to it. Um, the learning curve in this game is super satisfying and fun. Yeah, the first two, three hours of the game might be a little bit of, of a slog, but once you kind of clear that initial combat learning curve and get used to some of the base mechanics man this game's so much fun and i i just i just remember getting lost in the world and just being along for the ride and figuring out what's going on along with aloy so i highly recommend this game and i mean i'm super biased it's probably a top almost top five favorite game for me so um but yeah for someone who plays a ton of open world rpgs this one's lovely I like this game a lot. It's not, I don't think I put it in my top five category. I, maybe, if, I don't know. There's a lot of really good PlayStation games. There's a lot of really good games out there. I, I have to think about that one a little bit more. It is a very good open world game. It does the Assassin's Creed formula better than Assassin's Creed has done in quite some time. Yep. The, I, I think you going into it, it has a lot of comparisons to Breath of the Wild, and I think that's misleading. So I went in playing playing and expecting a game to be a little more like Breath of the Wild, and it's more like Assassin's Creed. I mean, it's more like it, it doesn't it doesn't um, rewrite or change the open world formula. It just does it really well, and I think that needs to be said when you think about going in and playing this game is you're just going to get a really solid open world game yeah and i think expect it to kind of rewrite history you know yeah i think the sequel i mean if you're wanting if anyone's wanting to compare this franchise the breath of the wild the sequel is much closer in pre presentation and representation than zero dawn it doesn't need to be to be yeah fair. i agree like I everybody agree. talked about like well, in Breath of the Wild, you can climb everything. I'm like, I'm kind of glad I can't climb everything. I mean, I, la last last I like little it. tangent I'm going to get on with this, uh, you know, the comparison between Breath of the Wild and this franchise is yeah. that they uh, this game series does what Nintendo should have done uh, from a item and kind of traversal standpoint. I think I think some of the items help with traversal and uh, a little bit more uh, variability in combat than what you really get in Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild's got a fantastic physics engine, but I think not a combat heavy game. I think I think they could have incorporated more weapons, kind of in the vein of what we're seeing in uh, Horizon franchise. So I really like the game. I you know I. I, it's not my favorite game of all time, but I definitely want to play the sequel at this point. And I suggest everyone check this game out. So, 
especially if you got a PlayStation Five. It's 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 a must play in my. So I because of the timing, I'm gonna skip what else we've been playing. Um, but I do think we should go ahead and do video game guess who real quick. I think this one will probably go fairly quickly, but we'll just see. I've got a character picked out. Why don't you guys um, go let the guessing begin? Is this character a female? No. You're muted, Jared. <laughs> oh, I was wondering why we had a Is this character a good person? Yeah. Is this character... Uh, shoot. Hold on just a second. I refuse. Is this character of the Karja? Tribe? Um, hold on. No, uh, I forgot the tribes. Hold on. Yeah, I forgot the tribes too. <laughs> I think Karja deals with like the first area, like the I think Aloy's tribe. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure, right? No, Aloy's the the Nova. Yes, oh, you're right. Person is in the Karja tribe. Oh, okay. Is the Karja the big city? Yeah. Mm. Is the person the ruler of the Karja? No. Okay. Um, and there's the Shadow Karja, which is the bad guys. Yeah. Gotcha. <clears throat> and you, it's not Nova, it's Nora. Just Sorry, Nora. Yeah. Yeah. Nora. Uh, At my cat. Uh, Nova. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, is this character a man? Yes. Okay. Is this person Aloy's friend? Yes. Does this person have a mom who leads a uh, group of warriors? No. Okay. That took out my answer. Does this person have really righteous facial hair? Yes. I know who it is. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Ask if he has a faux hawk. Does he have a faux hawk? Yeah. Does he wield? Does he wield a hammer? Maybe might be. A... <laughs> yes. Okay. You guys got it. It's Aaron. It is Aaron. Like the comic right. relief of the franchise. Good job, guys. I know, right? Good job, guys. All He's right. He's such a good so, character. So. Yeah. I like him. Uh, yeah. I actually really, I kind of thought early Seems on. Seems like somebody gonna, that you can hang out with. I yeah. thought when they first introduced him, he's going to be like, oh, I'm not going to like this guy. But he actually is a pretty cool dude. Yeah, I thought he was um, going to turn on you at some point. Or do some sleazy stuff. Or, you know. yeah. He's he's probably one of the most true characters in the game, and it carries over to the, the sequel, too. I'm excited yeah. to see what he's up to in the sequel. All right, with that, we are going to wrap up. That is the end of our discussion for Horizon Zero Dawn for PlayStation 4 slash 5. 
Next month, we are going to do one of my personal favorite games, and that is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah, I think it's one of the best. Uh, it, it's probably the best remake ever made, and I think it. I would argue it's one of the best games to have come out in the past uh, decade. I would agree with that sentiment, although that's just a teaser. Uh, and I think we're going to get some special look-ins um, from what Jared's been playing next month as well. So with that, we are done. Be sure to hit us up on Twitter at pod underscore win. Or you can email us at play to win pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. We'll probably post again in Reddit just to get some more interaction and thoughts uh, as we don't want to just monopolize everybody's time and tell you exactly how a game is when... Sure you do. A game is a matter of perception. It's a and we'll, we'll have some more side things coming up as well, um, some more special sure. edition things, and then uh, Alex and I will finish our other series too eventually. So we haven't stopped Halo. We're going to keep on with Halo. It's just... There's been, it's been an interesting two months, so. It has been. We've been busy. We've been busy, folks. All right, guys. Take care. Later. Toodles.